Chapter 1 Islands of Sanity in Black Dog Times Let's begin with a story. Once upon a time there was an old woman who lived in a high mountain cave. She spent all of her days weaving a great tapestry of unequaled complexity and beauty. Its thread was made of porcupine quills, which the old woman chewed and softened into fiber between the nubs of her worn teeth. Every so often she rose and walked to the back of the cave where a great cauldron bubbled. All of the seeds of the world were in that cauldron, and if the old woman neglected to stir them regularly, they would burn up. On this particular day, just as the old woman began her slow walk, a black dog stole into the cave, took the tapestry in its teeth, and tore it to shreds before the old woman had finished stirring. The dog was nowhere to be seen by the time the old woman returned to her seat to find not a tapestry, but a heap of ruined fabric. Without the slightest hesitation, she sat down, put a porcupine quill in her mouth, and began to weave an even more complex and beautiful tapestry. You see, the old woman and the black dog have been playing this game since the beginning of time. She is the old woman of the world, and if she were ever to finish her tapestry, creation itself would come to an end. The old woman and the black dog need one another, and the world is made, unmade, and made again through their interplay. This is my retelling of a Lakota Sioux creation myth that I first heard told by the mythologist and storyteller Michael Mead back in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. Then, as now, we were collectively experiencing a moment of extreme uncertainty, a time when the matrix of systems, institutions, norms, and assumptions through which modern life is organized seemed to be unraveling before our very eyes. We are still in the early days of the coronavirus pandemic, yet it is already clear that this will be a far more profound disruption than 2008. The black dog is already going about his tapestry-destroying work with extra zeal. I want to share a second story about disruption and dissolution, this one drawn not from myth, but from the natural world. It comes from the quiver of the psychologist and wilderness guide, Bill Plotkin. The reason of being of the caterpillar is to consume. Some caterpillars eat so voraciously that their weight increases by 10,000-fold in a matter of three weeks. After four or five weeks, the caterpillar stops eating and forms a cocoon or chrysalis. Once cocooned, special enzymes begin to dissolve the caterpillar in its entirety until there is no structure, only a thick, soupy substance. Some cells, however, do not dissolve, but form collectives of 10 to 50 cells known as imaginal disks. It is from these disks that the radically different physiology of the butterfly emerges. Imaginal disks are nodes of transformation. They pick up the loose threads on the floor of the cave and begin weaving an unexpected and wholly new creation. These two stories are the guiding metaphors of this podcast. We are experiencing, painfully, a great unraveling. Our culture of consumption and exploitation of Earth's ecosystems is a dead-end route. Whether we accept this on a rational level, we know it in our bones, and we have known it for quite some time. 
we now find ourselves suddenly and collectively knee-deep in caterpillar soup. The innumerable tributaries before us flow, essentially, into two great rivers of possibility. The source of the first is the understandable yet impossible desire to return, to return to quote normal, to the status quo, to the way our lives were before COVID-19 took the tapestry of our lives in its jaws and began to shake and tear it to shreds. The source of the second is the terrifying yet unavoidable awareness that the only way out is through, the only way for our children's children to inherit a tenable future is for us to lean into the transformative process that the coronavirus has potentially catalyzed. I do not want to minimize the intensity of loss, anguish, and anxiety of these times or pretend that I or anyone else has any clue what leaning into a transformative process might actually mean or look like in reality. What I do feel with certainty is that we cannot go back, even though many of us will try and nearly all of us will frequently want to. Any return to the status quo will be illusory and temporary. The black dog will take on his duties with increasingly devastating results until we transform or perish. The writer Charles Eisenstein brilliantly articulates the choice ahead of us as continuing to pursue the story of separation or the story of interbeing. The former places us as other than and superior to nature. This is the increasingly lonely and destructive path that the human psyche has been walking down for thousands of years. The story of interbeing, a word coined by the Buddhist monk, scholar, and activist Thich Nhat Hanh, is one of interconnection, a recognition that we are not separate from but utterly interwoven into the web of life. Already we are seeing the forces of power and control, the hallmarks of Eisenstein's story of separation, seizing on the chaos and fear of this extraordinary and malleable moment. Authoritarian impulses are doubling down on surveillance, control, and autocratic rule in the name of protecting citizens from the virus. We cannot afford to be complacent. The story of separation is powerfully entrenched within the human psyche, and upheaval is just as likely to strengthen it as to loosen its grip. But let us return for a moment to our caterpillar soup and reflect upon those rather miraculous midwives of transformation, the imaginal discs. This podcast represents my own effort to make some sense of the changing world we inhabit. The deluge of facts about the unfolding pandemic informs me but for a sense of meaning in the face of such uncertainty, I look elsewhere, to myth, to nature, to art, and to metaphor. I am looking for imaginal discs, images and metaphors around which I can reorient and reorganize dissolving, outmoded ideas that have carried me thus far in life. Perhaps this seems impractical or esoteric, but metaphors matter. They inform our behavior, our outlook, our decisions, what we perceive as our rational self is built upon a substrata of largely unexamined attitudes and assumptions about reality. In other words, metaphors. If we internalize the metaphor of the universe as a dead machine, for example, our behavior is diametrically opposed to someone who lives with the metaphor of a living, intelligent cosmos. 
As the old patterns and certainties of our lives dissolve, we all feel adrift and unmoored. We need stable nuclei of coherence. We need stories, images, and metaphors that help us reorient and redirect our energies. Imaginal discs, in this sense, can be life rafts of meaning in times when meaning itself has dissolved. The writer and activist Margaret Wheatley once wrote, I know it is possible to experience grace and joy in the midst of tragedy and loss. I know it is possible to create islands of sanity in the midst of wildly disruptive seas. The phrase islands of sanity is, for me, not only an image that serves as a sort of imaginal disc, it is a metaphor of the imaginal discs themselves. We now find ourselves in a world in which most of us are in some sort of encouraged or enforced social isolation. The verb to isolate literally means to be made into an island. We are social creatures, and isolation is difficult for all of us, torturous for some. Yet can we reframe this utterly unique experience of collective isolation? Can we entertain as a possibility that we have become isolated so that we can become islands of sanity in a culture that is manifestly insane in that it seems powerless to alter its suicidal trajectory? Can we embrace, for a time, a psyche of islandness that allows us a certain distance from the conforming influence of the collective? Islands are surrounded by the vast, oceanic unknown. In isolation, we face not just the unknown of our collective fate, but the fathomless unknown of our unconscious psyche, all that exists beneath and beyond our conscious awareness. Islands and the unconscious are on intimate terms. We are all islands now, surrounded by disruptive seas, or perhaps we are seeds in the old woman's scalding cauldron, or imaginal discs floating in the caterpillar soup. And yet no one is truly an island. Not even an island is an island. The separateness of the island is an illusion. Every island emanates from and is rooted in the surface of the earth. But if we are to play the role of islands for this season of life, let us aspire to be islands of sanity, which is to say islands of health, so that when the disruptive seas subside, we return to a world of fewer caterpillars and more butterflies.